and Matt. We're an interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to our friendly world. Better, stronger, together. No, I can't. <laughs> See, I can't do it. I think that's the only thing that cheers me up sometimes, the way you laugh. The monthly you, laugh? Try it again. You say something funny. I don't, I can't. Yeah, laugh. exactly. It's the same thing that's with laughing. That's just laugh it. I wasn't feeling funny before. I in a very crouchety mood. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, so what'd you laugh at? You laughed at me. You did that monthly laugh. It's either that or you sound like one of the, from the Angry Bird game uh angry birds you sound like do you sound like the frogs see no, i the pig <laughs> i consider myself only to sound like mutley from dick dastardly's yeah side co whatever minion all right well anyway you also sound like that angry birds game right but again they stole from mutley mutley's the man really all right i came back from india and I never Oh, wait, thought... wait, wait. Hold on. We're actually recording this? Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Oh, almost. We almost got the monthly laugh. Yeah, I was trying to trick you so I could record your your laugh. Well, we should probably say good morning. Good, good morning. Afternoon. Okay, I'm sorry. Hello, everybody. Hello, friends. <laughs> Hello. I, oh, I forgot to bring the list of all the countries now that are listening to us we have friends i know popping up everywhere but we're not doing this properly i am your host matt and this is my cohort fun <laughs> oh my gosh hello everyone hello. i with every word that i say i am going to become more alive and snap out of my crotchetiness today hello hi everybody welcome good morning welcome welcome good afternoon good evening Good day. So I came back from India from one of the biggest photo shoots of my life. Big in all aspects. It was a big job. It was very important. It was filled with so much. I don't know the right words for it other than magic. I learned so much and it was quite an honor to be there the way I was. I was the guest of Swami Rama. I stayed at his home. I stayed at this, I don't know if you can call it a temple, but it was a place nobody knows about that's very secret. It's where he practiced years of silence. I only took one picture there, and that was a picture of the stairs because... One of our other beautiful friends, a Swami that was there to take care of Swami Rama when he was practicing years of silence. He brought him food and water and everything. He First of all, we're in the foothills of the Himalayas. It's freezing. And he was barefoot, stepped in a puddle, was going up the stairs to show me where I would be sleeping that night. And he's, mm -hmm. so there was a footprint and I just took a picture of his footprint on the step. And that's the only image that I took of that area to be respectful, you know, to, to be respectful. I did not take pictures there. Gotcha. Except for that one of his footprint. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's see what else. So this, this trip was really profound. And by the way, I was always looking for you. I told you, I, ever since I was born, I came out looking for you. So right, I get that, but and I, traveled, I was not in India. No. But I thought maybe because wherever I traveled around the world, I'm like, are you here? Where are you at? I'm here. Why, why aren't you here? And Swami Rama would always ask me, do you want to get married? I can do you, is your I can just find your true love. You want me to. Find? I'm like, yes. And wherever we went and the ceremonies we would go to, he would all of a sudden out of like nowhere, like he was doing major business. He would look at me and go, you want me to find him? <laughs> 
he nice. went there. I'm like, yeah. He's like, today, I can have you married today. And he was serious because he, he would do that. He was a matchmaker. He would like have people get married. I'm like, you know what? Can we collaborate? Then he would laugh and go, yeah, okay, we'll collaborate. Why am I telling you this? Anyway, it was just such a beautiful, special time. We just had fun. It was funny. People traveled from all around the world to be with him and would faint when he would give a shawl he was wearing and put it on someone. They would faint. Like he, he was a big, he's a big, was, he passed away, but what, what, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. But anyway, he is a big deal, right? Right. And then here I am like a fool cracking jokes and laughing at stuff. We went to... Again, this place where the years of silence was. Mm -hmm. He wasn't there with us. We were with the Swami that took care of that land. And we when we got there, we did this meditation, right? We walked further into the wilderness and there was this area that was made out of marble. And it was freezing. And when you step in there, you, of course, take off your shoes, right? Okay. Took off the shoes freezing freezing foothills of the himalayas freezing weather and mm -hmm. it was january and so we're sitting there we're meditating we're in the lotus position everybody and there's just a few of us and i was so cold i couldn't take it like it was <laughs> <laughs> and you know sitting on marble like that mm -hmm. on top of it out in the wilderness right and so I had these really big puffy gloves. So I'm from Southern California folks. Okay. And I lived in Wisconsin on the border of Wisconsin and Minnesota when I worked for Aveda mm -hmm. as their photographer. I worked with Horst Rackelbacher and so we went to India together. Swami Rama was Horst's guru teacher and they worked on amazing projects together one of which the reason why we were there was to document the breaking ground of the himalayan institute it was a hospital eastern western combined mm -hmm. like doing panchakarma at the same time uh doing open heart surgery you know like it was all integrated it was fantastic and we also worked with ayurvedic physicians so we were up in the foothills. I was documenting the herbs and the medicine that grew there, right? Amongst other things. Because I'm from Southern California and I was living in Seattle. And all of a sudden I was living in Wisconsin on the border of Minnesota and Wisconsin. And the winter was coming. And they're like, yeah, Fawn, with wind chill, it gets negative 80 Fahrenheit. And I, and I thought it was a joke. I'm like, you're, you're kidding how is that possible? <laughs> you know, being from Southern California right. and even living in Seattle, Seattle is very mild. Like all the seasons are there, but they're mild, right? Nothing like that. So I was terrified of the coming winter. <laughs> right. And I, not only that, but I worked with horse all the time. I never had a chance to go around and do anything. Once in a while I did with some people I made friends with who, by the way, also worked at Aveda, but in Wisconsin, they worked at the spa and we became really good friends. There were a lot of healers there that worked there. And so they showed me around and we had some phenomenal things happen. It was such a beautiful time, but it was also hard for me because I was very young and inexperienced with business. Like that was such a profound and I knew that it was a profound opportunity for me on a spiritual level as well as a professional level as a photographer. It was phenomenal that I ended up there and I was... But you're sitting on a marble floor. Well, what I'm trying to say is because all of a sudden I was living there and I didn't have much time, I just went to some supply store and got whatever they had. Boots that didn't even fit me because my feet are so small. I still have them, those Sorrells, those Wisconsin Sorrells. They are way bigger than my feet. They're very clunky, but they are warm. All right. They're not vegan. I had to just to survive. And one of the things besides the boots that I got were these big fluffy gloves, like humongous. Again, they didn't fit me. They mm -hmm. were for men, big men and very fluffy and very non-vegan. Okay. 
Okay. Like huge, huge. I'm envisioning something now the size of a planet, but go ahead. Like big puffy hands, okay? On the inside and then <laughs> like Mickey Mouse leather on the outside or something on the outside. I don't know, but okay. So I had these gloves on my hands. We're sitting in lotus position. We're meditating. <sighs> my feet were freezing freezing i couldn't take it anymore and everybody looked like they were blissful in meditation all right and i'm one eye is open i'm looking around i'm like what am i gonna do i can't take this anymore so very quietly i took my gloves off of my hands and i put them on my feet because <laughs> your hands were at that point warm because they'd been in the gloves and i can stick my hands in a pocket but feet had nowhere to go <laughs> So I stuck them on and immediately I felt relief. Like, oh, right. that's better. Right, because they were probably warm from your hands too. So I was traveling with a tiny skeletal crew. There was a friend who was shooting video. And so anyway, I could go back into this quiet meditation again. Okay, I was, I was getting back into the mode. And all of a sudden, speaking of laughter... I heard this, like, you know, when you are laughing, but you're trying to contain it, 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 it it's just, you're trying to close your mouth tight, mm-hmm. but bubbles of laughter escape somehow. <laughs> yeah. Like that. I kept hearing that mm-hmm. and I'm like, I must be hearing things because everybody's right. very serious into so are you meditation. In your blissful meditation now with your, with your, I was pretty blissful because okay. I mean, my feet were starting to thaw out <laughs> my toes. <laughs> I could start feeling my toes again. Anyway, so the meditation's over and we get out and the person that was doing the video, who was also in there meditating with us. Right. So we're walking back to where we were staying, you know, that place I was telling Mm -hmm. you about. The video person comes and shows me her hand and it is bruised with marks, sharp marks and their teeth marks. And she's like, Fawn, look. (laughs) And she's like, this is all I could do from laughing. Because I opened one eye and I saw these um, hands coming out of your feet. Right. (laughs) The gloves. (laughs) 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 And we were talking about it. And I had an assistant with me. And she's like, you know, she was totally right. Like, why are people taking the spirituality thing so seriously? It should be light and funny. Like laughter, it's part of this whole spiritual aspect is to be light and laugh. Like, who cares? We should just laugh. Like, no big deal, right? And I totally agree with that. But anyway, I digress. So what I'm trying to tell you is we had so many things happen on this trip. Mm-hmm. It was profound Having all this in my spirit and the connections I made with the doctors there and with Swami Rama, I mean, truly to this day, I just, my heart feels so happy and so wide open and just embraced by everything that happened on that photo shoot for the amount of time I was there. Right. When I came back, I, it, well, so I went back actually to, I was in Wisconsin. I was living there. Mm-hmm. So months later, I ended up um, leaving Aveda and I was, thought I was headed back to Seattle and that somehow you guys, this is, I talk about this when we started our show with a mentor on the first episode, I was sucked back to LA. I was not happy about it. <laughs> Yes, of course. Right. So it was in the first few weeks Mm -hmm. and I had set up stuff in Santa Monica and I had just moved into the neighborhood. I was not okay. I was not happy. I was confused going from such a high level, beautiful position Mm -hmm. at a great company to I was just serving coffee now. Right. I was burnt out. Right. Well, that was your, you were detoxing away from the corporate world that was yeah exactly all that was and one morning i i did what i always did as a kid i went to the santa monica beach Mm -hmm. so now i lived right across the street from it it was early in the morning i sat on the sand and i was just meditating but 
you know, I had done this since I was a little kid. I never. <laughs> are you okay? Excuse me. Are you all right? I am fine. I meditation wasn't the word in my head. I this is just what I always did as a child, right? I would sit there, right, for hours without moving and just looking straight ahead, mm-hmm. and I would feel information. I would feel an understanding. I would come to a greater. There's no other word for it other than understanding, mm-hmm. right? And I remember as a kid, joggers would go back and forth. They jog south or whatever the direction is, like you know, towards <laughs> Manhattan Beach, <laughs> south, right, as opposed to towards Malibu, north. And then it must have been an hour later they'd be jogging back towards Malibu again. And here I'm, I am, this child still sitting there by myself, looking straight ahead, not moved, right, right. And people would be like, are you okay? Do you need help? I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but I didn't it's realize good that they asked. It was good. Yeah, definitely. Because that people normally in this culture don't care, right? Usually, like, whatever. You could be crying. Nobody cares. That's another episode. Hey-o. So here I am now, coming from a big job and such amazing, great experiences and not happy about being in LA, confused about being in Santa Monica, what am I doing here? I'm now serving coffee. I was working on humanitarian photo projects and right. you know, I, I was headed places and I was like, what happened, <laughs> right? What do you want from me? Why am I here back in LA? What is it? And I was looking straight ahead and all of a sudden, it was like a movie, like how they turn up the sound in one ear. I heard the breeze in my ear, like, like, like that. And I look over to my right and I, and I promise you this is headed towards what our subject is for today, but this is a nugget of wisdom from Santa Monica. This is probably when I no, this is not probably, this is this is one of the messages, the very first messages I got when I moved back and I was in Santa Monica and my whole apprenticeship with this amazing mentor, which was Santa Monica. This is how it started. So I heard that breeze and I look over and have you ever seen when you look, if you're looking outside and there are leaves on the ground or whatever is on the ground and you see a tiny mini mini little tornado happen do you know like a swirl right of course like the wind will pick up mm-hmm. and it's like a miniature teeny weeny little tornado right right you see the swirls i looked and that's what i saw to my right it was moving towards me and it picked up a feather which was normal i mean we had seagulls and you would usually find little feathers around, right? Right. So, oh my God. So this goes back to India because because of the most amazing spiritual people that I had the good fortune of being with, I had more of the physical aspects being incorporated in my life, like meditation and like actually using. I was given a mantra, you know, like just for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but using sounds like ohm, you know. So anyway, I'm looking, and the the wind, the what do you call it? A, it's not a whirlpool; it's a whirlwind. Whirlwind stopped right next to me. <gasps> all right, with a feather, and I'm looking, and the feathers very small, dusty and gray in some parts. It wasn't like a perfect little feather, but it was. Anyway, it stopped right next to me and I'm looking at it and normally, I guess if you see something like that, especially a feather from a bird that looks a little dirty, you don't want to touch it, right? Right. Or you want to, whatever. Right. You Basically, that would be the thing like, whatever, you're going to look somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But something made me pay attention and I looked closer at it and on this feather was stuck the tiniest little piece of newspaper and enough for 
I guess if you're looking at a font, at a seven-point font, it was a seven-point font with the paper had room enough for two letters. And that was O-M. Do you get it? Oh, my. Stop it. (laughs) So the little whirlwind brought me this feather with newsprint on it that said OM. What, why are you looking at me like that? Like no big deal. I'm not looking at you like no big deal. That's a big deal. It's a deal. And that, my friends, is the topic of the show. Pay attention to trifles. <gasps> Where does that come from? Okay, so you taught me this, right? You, you, you brought me this saying, pay attention to trifles. When we met in martial arts and I was cross-training, you were totally the prize student in Aikido. Let's just be mellow. Yes. Very mellow. And I came in like the Tasmanian devil with, with just, I just wanted to just, I was the Tasmanian devil. What can I say? What do you mean was? I don't know. I feel like I've calmed down, unfortunately. You've calmed down maybe a little, but you still do 87 things at a given moment. Yeah. But I missed that part of myself. Like, I feel like as soon as I got pregnant, I don't know. I'm just tired a lot. <laughs> I'm Hey-o. not I don't know. I wish I had that that Tasmanian devilness in me to want to chop the table in half and you know. <laughs> Anyways, back on topic. So, our topic today is trifles, paying attention to trifles. And it comes from Morihai Ueshiba, the founder of Aikido. Is that? No. He said that. This is O Sensei. The, this is totally different dude. No, it's Musashi? Yes. Wait, the founder of Aikido. The, Morihai Ueshiba. So the Book of Five Rings is somebody else? Totally someone else. See, I thought this was O Sensei. That's why we were wisdom arguing this morning. Is wisdom. Man, I said, we're talking about O-sensei, and you're like, okay, let me get his book. I'm like, I have one of his books, and then you brought this book, and I'm like, this is my book. This is O-sensei's book, and you're like, no, it's this one. That's why I got confused. Right. All right, so now we're looking at the Book of Five Rings. All right, but I thought it was O-sensei who said number eight. Pay Pay attention to trifles. No. I was wrong all this time. Yes. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Because <laughs> I don't follow any straight line. I don't follow any one particular. You pick up wisdom where it lay. Much like an ohm on a feather. <laughs> woot woot. <laughs> all right. So the book of five rings. Can you describe what the book of five rings is, please? First of all, okay. So the it's from Miyamoto Musashi. However, if we want to be truly proper about it, it is Musashi Miyamoto. Okay. You know what? I'm going to shut up now. You describe it. Now, okay? now. Because I'm now mispronouncing things and and all kinds of foolishness. You go. All kinds of foolishness. So he was a samurai. He was a samurai during the Tokugawa period in Japan. He fought on the blah, blah, blah. I mean, he was a dude. He was like a quote-unquote warrior. He was a samurai. He had his living through his, how he could, through a sword very philosophic, withdrew to a cave for some goo-gobs of years and came up with this book called the Book of Five, A Book of Five Rings, which he describes basic strategy, and he's very focused on dueling and swordsmanship. He came up with nine, call them pithy sayings. Pithy. <laughs> which sounds so wrong. Anyways, now, he was regarded as a sword saint as a da 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 Japanese named a battleship after him in World War II, etc., etc. He's kind of a big deal, meaning he's a huge deal. Anyways, he came up with interesting sayings and, you know, things like... Uh, Can I read them? Well, yeah, that's what you were going to do, Yeah, devil. but then you threw me off. Of course okay, I can threw I read you off. The, now, okay. So tell me what these... So these are the sayings that you're talking about, yes. right? There, there's eight of them. Uh, actually there's nine. There's 
Oh, sorry. There's but nine. Focused, number eight was... We're focused on number eight, yo. <laughs> we're focused on number eight because it has to do with trifles. But so anyways, that... In, do you want to say anything else about it? I just want to read the eight. Now, he is highly regarded in Japan, and he should be. He was basically undefeated. He was undefeatable in swordsmanship, but supposedly he wasn't exactly the most stellar of people. He was very... Supposedly, supposedly, not here to uh, annoy any kendo artists out there or et cetera, et cetera, who want going to want to beat me up. But he was not a tremendously nice person. He wasn't tremendously progressive. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't. But much like every mentor, it seems like I have in my life, they're not complete. Like I need to emulate absolutely everything this person does. All of my role models have feet of clay as it were, because they're all flawed in some basic way in the same way. I think we're all flawed in some basic way, but anyways, go ahead. Sorry. He said, if you practice day and night in this way, this strategy, your spirit will naturally broaden. And there are eight, there are nine things to do. Right. Number one, do not think dishonestly. It's kind of a good one. Two, the way is in training. Way capitalized. Three, become acquainted with every art. Right. Do you want to describe some of these? Like, you know. Well, it, you have to tear each one apart. Like, yeah. do not think dishonestly. That means I can be as dishonest as I want to the whole world, but not to myself. So you really, there's, there's ponderables to all of these. All right. So let's go back. So number two is the way is in training. Can you explain that? Way capitalized. It means it is not a goal. It is, uh, it is a, there is a path to it, but you'll probably never reach it. So it's all so in the process. It's about getting closer. It's about learning. It's about growing as a person. And if you think about it, it's kind of a good thing to do in general. Right. And it doesn't matter if you're studying swordsmanship or you're studying pottery or it totally doesn't matter. So it's not the final outcome. It's how you get there. It's the, like people say, it's well, you, in the journey. You never get there. That's the right. key. So everything is there. You are there at that time so that was the ways in training number three becoming acquainted with every art right because you don't know what things are going to lead you further down your path of training so it's it's a good idea to stay broad number four know the way of all professions Right. And this is professions as in, think of it as uh, different skilled things people do and let's call it for money, whatever. But it's important to, it's important to look at these things and not to discard anyone and to try and understand the whys of it. Why is somebody choose to be a underwater basket weaver? And what is it about that that is inherently fulfilling? Musashi spent time with a sword polisher and he spent a lot of time with him and he learned a lot about the making of a sword because, of course, that's where he was focused. But he also ended up learning about the tea ceremony through him and, and how the tea ceremony, which is a big, huge deal, certainly in Japan, how that helped a person in their swordsmanship is what actually he discovered. You know, that's interesting because when I was working in Ethiopia, so I, I was mm -hmm. out in the bush, they call it, right? The coffee ceremony was very much like the Ethiopian version of the Japanese uh, tea ceremony. Everything was a certain way. It was a big deal, the coffee ceremony. Right. Should I go to number five? Feel free. And just, again, we're just, we're going so blisteringly fast through these. We're really doing them a huge disservice. You know what? Maybe we should do an episode for everyone. Maybe. Down the line. All right. Number five. Distinguish between gain and loss in worldly matters. I.e. every cloud has a silver lining and sometimes you can't see whether or not a given event was good or bad for you, except in hindsight. So you, it's important to do that and then hopefully you'll learn a little bit about looking forward. So when something happens, you're able to really have an understanding of good thing or bad thing. Number six, develop intuitive judgment and understanding for everything. Yeah, it's a small one. We can skip that one. That's actually the biggest <laughs> one. I don't even want to get started. And I that is something, again, practice, practice, practice. And again, that's why the way yeah. is in training. Right. Okay. Should I go on? Of course. All right. 
Number seven, perceive those things which cannot be seen. Another teeny tiny one, not a big deal. <laughs> I get that. We're starting. We're starting to bring. We're starting to bring in the heavy hitters on these, right? Right. right. Which is interesting. And then the next one sounds so pithy. Wait, I want to repeat that one though. Number seven, perceive those things which cannot be seen. Hmm. Right? I mean, every culture has this. Live by faith, not by sight. That could be one translation of it. Right. It's also important to know if somebody's drawn an arrow on you in, in, in the pitch black. Right. All right. I love these. Number eight, pay attention even to trifles which is our show today again why is this with the heavy hitters because it's an interesting central point and it helps with all the others so that's our show today but number nine is do nothing which is of no use double negative we love that but yes, it's definitely focusing back to the way being in training. You can you can tell the ones that really key me, that really kind of cue me up. Again, do nothing which is of no use. Well, what does that, whoa, what does that mean? And that's one that you just kind of have to, again, live with for a while. Does that understand. mean I can't watch TV? Is it of use? or is It's it... totally of use. <laughs> then there you go. Really? Yeah. No judgment? Well, I'll judge you. But. I mean, you can judge me, but for me, it is of use, right? <laughs> Ooh, I almost muddly. <laughs> All right. So pay attention to trifles. to trifles. Pay attention even to trifles. I looked it up. Trifle. Number one. Meaning number one. Noun. Something of little value, substance, or importance. All right. I wasn't happy with that dictionary, so I went to another one. Okay, here we go. Noun. Number one, a matter of a matter or object of little value or importance. Two, a small quantity or amount of anything. Three, pewter of medium hardness. I didn't understand that one. A pewter is a metal. I know, but what is what is that? What, why is that stuck in there? Medium. Well, you haven't gotten to my favorite definition. The tastiest definition of trifle. Stop it. Oh, I forgot to put that in. Okay. Four, (laughs) English dessert. Mm. Let's talk about that one. (laughs) Trifle made with fruit, a thin layer of sponge fingers soaked in sherry, brandy, or rum. Nice. Add custard and a layer of whipped cream. Beautiful. Anyway, that was number four. Number five, verb. To deal lightly or without due seriousness or respect. I have been using this ever since I became a mom and the girls have been old enough to have conversation with me back and forth. If you come into our home once in a while, you'll hear me say, don't trifle with me. (laughs) That was number five. Why are you looking at me like that? Is that a bad thing to say? No. Uh, So that was number five. uh, To deal lightly or without due seriousness or respect. Six, to amuse oneself daily. Seven, to play or toy. To play or toy by handling or fingering. Get your mind out of the gutter. I, I knew it. I Get your mind out of the gutter. I Actually, why do they say gutter? It's a beautiful thing. Never mind. The gutter? Well, no. <laughs> right? There's the monthly. Oh, <laughs> There was the Muttley, folks. Okay. No, I'm saying like, if you refer to the sexual organs, it's the gutter. That's terrible. Oh, like, like referring to it as the junk? Yeah, exactly. Right. So wrong. Anyway, let me go back. Okay. Number six, to amuse oneself daily. Number seven, to play or toy by handling or fingering. He sat, uh, here's an example. He sat trifling with a pen. Number eight to act or talk in an idle or frivolous way. Number nine, to waste time, to idle. 10, to pass or spend time idly or frivolously. So those are the definitions. That's the definition of trifle. Right. Where to begin now that we have all that information? 
paying attention to trifles in a way you have way more experience than this because you're the one who brought this whole thing into my life when we first met right because i've been focused on this aspect of things since i was probably around 1920 i've always seen you as an old soul japanese warrior you are a total samurai to me like the way you live your word the way you are with your word everything about you you carry your spiritual sword like the way you live life is very much this way and it's one of the things i fell in love with you about what are you doing nothing go oh my god all right so now, see, now you made me forget what I was trying to say. Did I cut your key? You totally cut my key. Sweet. Can you explain what that is while I try to figure out what I was thinking? So cutting key, once again, I key dough. Key is energy. And when you cut someone's key, if they're moving in to strike you, you if you cut their key, they, they stop, basically. And you can do this by throwing your energy, which coming from the earth and just almost literally an infinite amount you can move them you can change alter their trajectory you can make them rethink what they're doing that's cutting their key and sometimes you can do it just by going huh <laughs> it's kind of funny uh, a good example saving private ryan the all the soldiers are around and they're all like getting frustrated and disappointed and whatever and then tom hanks character says so what's the bet up to? Because they all bet on what he did when he was, you know, before the war. And he's like, huh. Well, I was a, I think he was a school teacher. I was a school teacher. And that changed the entire energy and atmosphere of all the troops around him and, and brought them back to center. So sometimes cutting key is good for bringing a person back into harmony. That's what they teach you in Aikido. And that's exactly what he did. It was verbal Aikido. It doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be mental it doesn't have to be spiritual but it kind of has to be i think one of them but and it's something you can use in all aspects of life when we had l our first child and we were new parents and we had absolutely no help and when she was crying and i didn't know what to do i was tired and there was times where she was just constantly crying and you would cut her key by just completely switching the environment so you would say here let me hold her i'm going to go outside for a walk with her because sometimes you need a total change in atmosphere and and a change in surroundings that's also cutting key yeah no absolutely i cut my kids key all the time <laughs> i still do <laughs> anyway so what i wanted to say the only when you taught me this, when you told me about this, I, of course, always go back to my personal experience of like, how, how can I relate to this info? And I remember the, and I'm talking about not key now, but paying attention to trifles. We spoke about it on another episode, but my, I have like three teachers in my life, like actual teachers in school mm -hmm. that made a profound found impact on me right it was second grade third grade and college gotcha college was the head of the photography department he was an artist he was a photographer but a phenomenal professor his name was hank wessel and he was just amazing one of the greatest things he taught me was without using these exact words but paying attention to trifles as a photographer and he would show us, and I talked about this before, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but it bears repeating, that he would show us the most, what seemed like the most boring pictures that you would think to yourself, why is this on a wall in a museum? Why is this in this gallery? Why are we analyzing this? It's a boring picture anyone could have taken. And he would say to us, all the to us, meaning me and this other kid, Donovan, because we were so rebellious and we were the only ones to say, this picture sucks. Like what, what, why nice. anyone could have taken this picture right. is what we would say. And he said, well, not anyone did, did Hail. they, right? Only one person took this shot mm -hmm. and he taught us to really pay attention to what seems boring or normal. 
And in that, you will find immense beauty and profound, mysterious qualities. He would literally take a picture of a very plain house with a lawn. Mm -hmm. Nothing happening. Right. We were like, what? Or even like, you know, pictures that we didn't understand as kids back then when we were studying with Hank, uh, like Gary Winogrand and like all these amazing photographers in history looking at their photos because both Donovan and I were very fashion oriented, very like into manipulating images and, you know, making a huge statement about something. Right. So we were forced to go so simple and pay attention to things that everyone ignores. Right. So that's where I took it was paying attention to trifles was that. Right. And you're absolutely right. Yeah. I want to say that if you stay alert and aware, even when everything seems so ordinary, you can spot the extraordinary. That's when you, that's when sometimes you'll see $20 on the street or you'll, you'll be paying attention and somebody will say something that'll key something. It's right. one of those interesting moments and it's a way to become closer to people because people love to tell you about the things they feel passionate or interest in, but sometimes they only hint at it or they give you a whisper. They'll say one word and you can choose to follow them down the rabbit hole or not. And sometimes it's not a word. Sometimes it's the disappearing of the lips that will happen in a split second. There are micro movements people make that will tell you everything. A tiny split second of a shrug of a shoulder will tell you everything. If someone's in pain and they're hiding something or they're not, like when lips disappear, it means the person is not comfortable hearing or seeing something that's in front of them. Paying attention to the tiny details will give us a better understanding of one another. And therefore, better friendships. And there you go. And no argument there, absolutely. Uh, Not just with friendships, but with family, right? Like, you know, especially with kids. How you doing? Fine. What'd you learn today? Guaranteed, fine will come with a shrug of his shoulder, which means there's something uneasy, something that they're not sure about. Right. So we have to figure out a way to communicate past that. Yes. Or if someone really wants to tell you something in the other episode, we talked about how someone asked you how you're doing and really we're trained in society to say, fine, hi, how are you? Where we can't really unload our pain because it'll scare them off. Right. right. But so paying attention to what their eyes say or something, tiny little detail it could be anything that's different for everyone. Yes. But paying attention to that. It could save their life if you pursue that one tiny trifle that you pick up and don't ignore it. And we could choose not to get all dire the way, yeah, my wife just did. And just somebody may mention uh, that they went to go see a sports team and you can run down the rabbit hole with them and gain an understanding of women's soccer or something they feel passionate about, like going to the museum to see such and such exhibit. You know, people like to open doors and it, and leave it open to other people to figure out where they want, whether or not they want to go through them. Why do you say I'm dire all the time? Well, it's all negative. You were like, it's not you could negative. save someone's life. You could, they could be in peril. They Isn't could. that positive though? But... I'm not saying, okay, I did say save someone's life, but You know, yeah. you might just find out about a donut shop, for goodness sake. All right. <laughs> That's rat again. <laughs> just go ahead, honey. Here, you take over. Oh, thank you. Well, let's, let's talk about it more on a societal level then. See? Ha. I can go other places. Let me see. So, depending on how you approach it, there is a style of, oh, God. Bear with me, folks, okay? Because this this go this can go in positive and negative directions. But there is this theory of law enforcement called the broken window theory. And again, and it's about if you pay attention to trifles, in this case, broken windows, and you get them fixed, odds are that society will be more lawful. 
And so there'll be less big crimes later. And this unfortunately led... You have to elaborate. I don't understand how a broken window has anything to do with anything. Right. It doesn't seem like it, right? We always talk about how you can tell a neighborhood, like richer neighborhoods tend to have older, bigger trees. It's because these trees have been taken care of. In the same way, more crime-ridden neighborhoods tend to have more broken windows. And that's something you can see all the time. Uh, more graffiti, more leads to, this is the theory, leads to more crime, more serious crime. And if you take care of the graffiti, if you take care of the broken windows. You know what? Can we leave graffiti out of this because that's an art form? Well, if it's painted in a designated area, you're absolutely right. If it's painted on, you know, my house, it may be an art form. It's still not cool. You're talking about words that are hateful that are sprayed rather than I mean graffiti is an art it's beautiful I I'm not going to argue with that but what I'm saying is when it's illegally done everything okay there are places can we just come up with another definition for it because we'll just call it broken windows all right I like that because that's the theory that's the name of the theory now unfortunately people take this off to stop and frisk and a whole bunch of other places I don't want to take it there because that's not the original intent the original intent was you take care of the very visible signs of a let's call it a deteriorating neighborhood the neighborhood will stop deteriorating and again, it's paying attention to trifles. It's about paying attention to busted windows and taking care of those. Planting a beautiful little flower. And there you go. Or taking a vacant lot and turning it into something beautiful, whatever that may be. It's about showing care. And so the broken window theory leads more towards community-style policing, which is what we need. Or it can turn that way, and that's the good place it can go. It can go bad places, but that's the good place it goes. To me, that brings me back to Martha Stewart when she was asked, what do we do right after 9-11? And she said, make your surroundings beautiful. And there you go. And that's something that people have been should have been doing during quarantine as well. And that's, yeah, I think a lot of people were actually. Everybody became obsessed with cleaning and beautifying their abode. Right. So again, this again leads us to paying attention to trifles. It's about if every time you open your kitchen cabinet, it squeaks and every time it gets to you, for goodness sake, oil it. You're going to be happier. You're going to be more fulfilled. Odds are. You're at least not going to be as annoyed. And going from negative to neutral is good. It's better to go from negative to positive, but still. So can I ask you a question? No. Go ahead. Come on, so I'm just cracking why do you, what? All right, so there's paying attention to trifles. Yes. Mm, and then calling me OCD when I would like the jars to be facing a certain way. Right. Because I'm paying attention to all these trifles. Oh, my goodness. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. And you know what? Hard to argue. But in point of fact... I'm okay with the jars facing any which way, which is why they all face the same way because of you. Because it's just not that important for me to really fight you. It, it is important enough for me to harangue you about now and again, but it's not important enough for me to go switching the jars up and stuff because that's just mean. Well, I'm also thinking financially paying attention to trifles. Well, yeah. Well, again, people are always talking about that. Yeah. Really? Because I don't think... Okay. Hold your thoughts. <laughs> Promise you won't forget. You're probably going to say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Go. All right. So I was taught this and it's a, it's kind of like, sorry, it's going to go woo woo on you for a second. It comes from Abraham Hicks, you know, Esther Hicks. You don't know. Do you know who that no. is? I know who that is. I'm just shaking my head. I see. Cause that's not where you were going to go. Is it? You don't know what I'm thinking. Absolutely. That's exactly where I was going to go, woman. Liar. Speak. Speak your truth. Oh, my God. Speak your truth. Is that where you were going to go? Of course. Do you know where I'm going to go? Yes. No, you don't. Go, please. I was going to say, when you're feeling poor (laughs) (laughs) and you're feeling not abundant, you need to look at the trifles, like looking at one blade of grass and seeing all the millions and billions of blades of grass out there. Or leaves on trees or needles on trees and seeing how many of them there are 
that's abundance that's focusing on the trifles but seeing how many of them there are or if you're you're at the beach which i miss so much all the grains of sand and if you go microscopically how many cells how many atoms come together to make the smallest little trifle there's so am i going off the deep end anyway what were you gonna say you're already gone See, I was going to talk about how paying attention to trifles, keeping, tri- and this is now going to sound terribly like small, again, a trifle compared to yours, like grand encompassing billions of blades of grass, but focusing on why am I paying $3 extra for unlimited texting if I don't unlimited text? And what is this random charge that I'm seeing? You know, these are trifles that if you pay attention to, you can bring abundance by getting rid of, for instance. Right. Like your gym membership you'd never go to. Get rid of it. Et cetera. <laughs> All right. All right. So what else? What's another trifle that most people don't see, do you think? Well, people will miss noticing things, either things about people, things about their environment, things about their world. Like I remember walking through when we lived in Port Townsend. And every building, every all the big buildings had a date on them as far as when they were built. And that was something that was very easy to ignore. But once you noticed it, it was impossible not to see, not to think about, not to understand, and not to really contemplate, oh, my God, this building was built when? And it's been standing for that long, just almost identical to how it looks now. So that's an interesting trifle that just kind of happens upon you. And when I first saw one of these numbers, I was like, well, that's weird. What's that number? And then I saw the next one. I was like, okay, there has to be some reason, some something about it. You'll see oftentimes etchings on the sidewalk and that kind of stuff. And that, that gives a history of a place. It's, you start to understand perhaps some of the whys of it. You always pay attention to things and especially with people because you read really well you read people and i i'm having trouble coming up because there were so many of them and i think there were more of them before we were parents because we had more energy and more time to like look at other people and we were out more other than our kids you know but i remember you would notice something about a person that would blow me away And I could never, ever look at them the same way ever again. Oh, dear. Because you would point out something meticulous that they did in a split second. And you would point it out to me in secret. And I would be like, oh, my God. I didn't see that. But now I see it. And that's all I see now. And (laughs) in in a good way. In a good way. Sometimes. But but sometimes you'll see it in a good movie and we'll point it out to me. And I'll ruin the movie. No, no, no. I'm thinking about, there was that movie about the man who uh, woke up and he didn't have his family. Nicolas Cage was in it. Oh my. Do you yes, remember yes, what yes. Movie I remember I'm that movie. About? I don't remember the name of so, it. So he finally gets a date with his wife, but it's in this other life and they're not married. Right. And they have no kids. Mm-hmm. And he, no, or maybe they were, I don't know. But anyway, I digress. I think it was flipped. I think he was single and then he parachutes into this family. Is that how it was? Through a dream. I want to say yes. I don't remember. And then he unfortunately, quote unquote, wakes up or whatever and and wants that. It was when we were first parents we saw this movie. Like Mm -hmm. we had been newly parented. (laughs) Parenting or newly become parents. We were newly minted parents. (sighs) So anything having to do with children really affected us on a deep, deep, deep level right uh anyway so there was a scene where they're at a restaurant together and the woman the mother of his children had a napkin on the table do you remember that and she gets up from the table and the napkin falls down something like that and you were like whoa that is pivotal right there that scene i'm like what you're like the way she treated that napkin that's a mother right there I'm like, oh, you're right. Because when they switched and they weren't parents, it was 
it, was, it would have been totally different. But that one trifle that you paid attention to, and you do that with people on a daily basis. So be careful if you're around me, folks. Like even on Zoom, I bet you're you're picking things up now that we don't get out as much. Well, yeah, absolutely. Much harder on Zoom, but for but sure. But you still do it. We've, we've had one or two meetings where I felt it was important for me to totally digress the meeting into some obnoxious rabbit hole just to connect in a different way with the people I work with. Because, yeah, there's a lot of loneliness running around right now. It's always been there. Well, it has, but now it's harder to get out and about to do something about it. Honestly, I think this quarantine was the best thing to happen. Careful. Bear with me. This was the best thing to have happened to make us realize things that we ignored. Don't you agree? So people ignored, especially in this country, the whole friendship thing. No one dared to admit that they were lonely. No one wanted to admit that. Definitely no one true. wanted to. And I mean, this is coming from a few years of research on our part. Right, babe? Mm-hmm. Like we've been looking at this. We've been really taking notes on our culture here and friendship. And people would get so defensive about that. But now people are admitting and agencies are admitting this is a problem. People are lonely and it's a psychological issue we need to take care of. Whereas when we talked about it before the pandemic, we were just people would think as, about seasonal affective disorder or something. As and far it wasn't like, them. It didn't involve. They would get so defensive. Oh like, my lord! So defensive. Like I am just saying, hey, you, you're a loser. You don't have any friends. That's what they thought I was saying, and I was saying, no, not you. I'm saying, as a culture, it seems like we have totally uh, become fragmented, and you know the. The friendships don't really, aren't really there. They are fictitious. They are Facebook. They are purely electronical. <laughs> Electro- what's the word? Electronical. What? <laughs> Is that a word? Virtual. <laughs> I'll go virtual. Thank you. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now we're actually talking about it. Somewhat, yes. But of course we'll I've stop. I've been hearing more and more. You think we'll stop? Oh, well, Because no. nobody wants to admit truth truth is a hard thing that's why advertising exists in the first place is an attempt for us to deny truth my life will be super spectacular if i get that suv because i'll go kayaking and windsurfing and you know base jumping yeah right what people do that no people do but not most people who buy suvs (laughs) (laughs) and that's why advertising exists is it's offering a quick fix to kind of deep-seated issues, even though it doesn't. It offers the illusion of a quick fix, which is a whole other Well, show. I hope what you're saying is wrong. I really hope that Me too, we are making frankly. strides in this friendship compassion movement mm-hmm. and that we are finding our tribe and our circle of friends are growing right. around the world. And they are. You know, I look at our podcast analytics sometimes. By sometimes, I mean like every 30 minutes if I'm oh, at my Lord. desk. Um, but I'm seeing more and more countries pop up as far as who's listening out there. Yay. So speaking of which, I guess, should we wind this down? Should we? Or sure. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, no. I mean, there's a lot. I actually. really want to try and get a good monthly laugh together, but that that's about it. I really want to continue with the um, nine things. So the other eight things, mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. I want to do a series on that. I see. All right. So. We'll speak to you in a few days. and But before we go, please, quick reminder to support our podcast. Please tell anyone you can about us. And let's make this thing bigger. Let's make this friendship movement a real big deal. Uh, please, if you find the time, please leave us a review on iTunes. Definitely not a trifle to us. And we're now on Pandora. So basically, you can find us everywhere podcasts or any any, anywhere podcasts are sold no any there's no there's no money any audible experience we are there we hope and if we're not let us know we are there i think anyway please leave us a review go to www.ourfriendlyworld.com and send us an email send us your thoughts and but please leave us a review please anyway we'll talk to you in a few days 
And I want to wish you a happy every day, not just a happy new year. You know, the year has begun 2021, but you know what? Every day is a new year. Don't disrespect the previous year, no matter how many hardships it offered. It brought you very gingerly and perfectly in a way to this new time. And it scares me when people celebrate New Year's like that one minute, like, woo, yay, F you, whatever year it was that they're leaving behind. Because the <laughs> next the next year they're saying the same thing about this year. That so they're, they're basically saying, saying every year sucked. But you know what I mean? Like right. it's like having a two faced friend say, Oh, I love you. Oh, I hate her. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's don't do that with your time. It's all precious. And if you are here and you're hearing these words and you're breathing, you are brought gingerly into the future and you belong here. You are meant to be here right now. You were born for now, this instant. Instance? I don't know my Instant. All right. We'll talk to you in a few days. And pay attention to trifles. All right. Talk to you guys later. Be well. Bye.